Welcome to Exhale Bible Discovery. Each week, we'll take a deep dive into the Bible, going line by line and chapter by chapter to discover the truths that God has for us in His Word. Well, I can hardly believe that we are to the final chapter in Revelation. Hi, this is Dr. Paula McDonald, and I'm so excited to study the Bible with you here on Exhale Bible Discovery. And we have arrived at chapter 22 in the book of Revelation. And what an exciting book of the Bible that we have had the privilege of studying together this year. And so the last lesson provided us with the promise of the new generation of the earth, the heaven, and God's new city. And so this final chapter leaves us with the promises of Jesus and what he provides to all believers, as well as his final words and his final warnings. This epilogue or conclusion closes out these magnificent visions of what is to come for both believers and non-believers. So this final lesson is in two sections. The first one, Jesus, the eternal water. That's Revelation 22 verses 1 through 10. And then the second is Jesus's eternal words and warnings. And those are verses 11 through 21. So let's just jump right into verse 1 and 2. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. So as the book of Revelation is coming to a close, John is now shown a river of the water of life. Genesis 2.10 says, A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. So what a perfect linking of the entire Bible from the beginning of the Bible to the end. We know this river of water represents our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only true and living water. John 7.38 tells us, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Well, this new river, it says it's crystal clear and it flows from the throne of God and the Lamb right down the middle of the street of this new city. People for centuries have tried vainly to find that secret of life and discover the fountain of youth. Well, those of us in Christ In our hearts, y'all, we know, because we have Christ in our hearts, we know very well that He is the secret to our lives. He is the living water that flows within us. And so it's to be in vain to try to find and fill ourselves with anything else. And then verse 2 mentions that on each side of the river was this tree of life. And again, we see a connection of the beginning of the Bible with the end of the story. 
This tree of life is on both sides of Jesus's living water, representing the restored tree of life that was in the original garden that God intended for us to have. So in this new city, he provides this tree of life abundantly for us. The trees are fruitful bearing, which says 12 crops of fruit every month. So what a beautiful metaphor and the symbol of the 12 and the 12, which represents the 12 tribes of Israel from the Old Testament and the 12 disciples who have borne the fruit of God and of Jesus. And this fruit is also symbolic of us as believers as we bear his fruit within our lives. And the last part of this verse tells us that the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. And this shows us the symbolic beauty of complete healing in this new city. What's interesting is from a botanical standpoint is that God did place every kind of plant, leaf, root, and flower to use for healing on this earth. But sadly, the pharmaceutical world has adulterated God's perfect healing leaves, turning them into chemicals that can be patented. But with these types of medicine, always comes side effects, as our bodies were not designed to handle the chemicals. Bodies were designed to handle things God created for us in his beautiful world of plants. So we have a world full of very physically sick people because we have turned from God's plan of physical healing into a money-making empire. People, sadly, you guys, they're jacked up on numerous medications and their bodies are suffering because of them. But when we look to his healing plants and put more faith in what he designed for us rather than what man designed, that is when our bodies can truly heal without the severe side effects. And the problem is so-called modern medicine has corrupted this truth. They have actually shunned doctors and practitioners who use natural remedies and call them quacks. And this is completely evident that we really don't have what's called what we call health care. We're really, we've got sick care. And I know that's seems way off topic, but I believe this verse is here for a reason, that he has provided healing for us. We've just not paid attention to it, and we've tried to make it into something that it's not. So thank you for letting me go there, but it is really true. And yes, I'm not saying the whole medical industry is evil. I'm not saying that at all, but I am saying we have gotten away from great natural healing. All right, so back to this verse. In the new heaven and earth, all will be healed. And guess what? There will be no more need of medicine of any sort. Oh, so that's the great message that we've got to hang on to as we traverse our lives right now. Verse three, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. So the curse we know is in reference to the fall of Adam and Eve in Genesis. And this curse has been paid for by Christ and his blood that was shed for us. In the new heaven and earth, the curse is raised forever. And the throne of God in the Lamb shows the oneness of God and Jesus. 
they have and always will be two in one in different forms. The last part of this verse points to the activity in heaven. While many believe heaven's going to be this place of hanging out on clouds, playing harps, this is not the case. We are God's servants and disciples here on earth, and we will also be his servants in heaven. Serving him as well as others is what we are called to do right here on earth. And it's clear in this verse that we're going to have jobs to do in heaven. It will not be a place of idle, mindless time. Because if you look at that verse 3 at the end, it says, and his servants will serve him. Verse 4, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. I love the truth in this verse that we get to see God's face. Because you guys, throughout the Bible, people have not been allowed to see God's face or to even look upon him. In Exodus thirty-three twenty, the verse says, You cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. The full glory of God is a sight that none of us can even imagine. But right here in this last chapter of Revelation, we are told that we will see his face. That's amazing news. And next, we are told that his name will be on our foreheads. All of God's children, you guys, each one of us, we are marked by him. He will know us. He knows you and I and knows every hair on our heads. And remember, back in Revelation 9-4, the verse says, They were told to not harm the grass or any green plant or tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So you guys, as believers, we are securely sealed in him. And this cannot be undone. And just like we're sealed in Christ, Satan has his people that are sealed by his mark. And we have the mark of Christ. So we cannot have the mark of Satan on us. So just rest assured in that. You cannot receive the mark of Satan if you have received the mark of Christ. So rest in that. It's such an important truth. Verse 5. There will be no more night. There will not need to be the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Last week, we also saw this glimpse of heavenly light mentioned. And here John's reiterating this phenomenon. So much evil has happened on this earth, you guys, in the darkness. And now it's saying the darkness will never again have any power as the light of the Lord will shine brightly. And this promise is eternal forever and ever. Verse 6, the angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. We saw this reference in the last chapter of verse 5. The angel is providing us with confirmation of the truth of God that's essential for all believers. This book, the Bible, is not simply a vision. These words tell us of the most important truth 
in our life. For all of those who have scoffed at the Bible and believed it to be fantasy, they will sadly be shown how wrong they are when they die that second death, not having the opportunity to live in eternity with Christ and with Christ's believers. So the age-old question is this, why would someone who did not want God in their life while they were on this earth suddenly desire to be with Him for eternity? That's going to be the big question. Because while they were here on earth, they dug in their heels. They denied God during their entire lifetime. And once you die, and now you're faced with the reality of your choice, because you're going to see what you're not going to get. But it's going to be too late. So this verse is affirming that there is a true God who has revealed these end times to us. And we can trust and count on what is written here to be true and trustworthy. Verse 7, Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. This is the first of three promises of Jesus' return in this last chapter. Now we see the message coming from Jesus himself that his return is imminent. And no, We do not know exactly when, but we do know the term soon could refer to this event, meaning it's going to happen suddenly or quickly. We just don't know. We're not given that information. And then we have this as the sixth beatitude that's found in the book of Revelation. This particular beatitude is reminiscent of the words we heard at the very beginning of Revelation in 1-3. Blessed are those who read Hear and take to heart the words in this book. And now again, we're told how important it is to keep the words of this book. So for all of us who have shied away from reading and studying this book of Revelation, these verses command just the opposite. So at the beginning of Revelation and now here at the end of Revelation, we are told how important this is. And so for the life of me, I cannot understand how so many believers have been afraid to read this amazing book. It is time for those of us who have studied and read this book to share this good news with others so they don't miss the blessings that he has for us. So share this podcast, Exhale Bible Discovery, with those you know who need to hear this good news. All right, verse 8. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard them and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. And again, John confirms he is the one that's been given this revelation. And we've seen this same action before several times in the book of Revelation where it's caused John or the angels to fall down and worship because You guys, think about what John was given. It had to impact his life, and this message had to just blow his mind as well that he has been put in charge with the task of sharing this message with us. Verse 9, But he said to me, Don't do that. This is from the angel. I am a fellow servant with you 
and with your fellow prophets and all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. And it's another reference to something we've seen before. We actually saw it in 1910. And the angel tells John, hey, I'm not the source of worship because only the true God is worthy to be worshiped. And he tells them that he is a fellow servant with John and with the fellow, his fellow prophets and all of us, too, you guys, who keep the words of this scroll. This shows the magnitude of our role as believers. And you guys, and that's to worship God and only God. Verse 10, then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. John is told it's not quite time, whereas Daniel was told to seal them up. And again, we see another reminder that the time is near. And this is to encourage us to stay alert, stay prayed up, and remain firmly in God's word. We are to be ready warriors at all times for the kingdom. So your truth bomb, believers are promised the eternal water of Jesus, that we will be with him and serve him, and we will see the face of God. That is a lot of truth in that. A lot of truth bombs there. So your call to action for this section. Do you believe this with all of your heart? And if he came back today, right now, are you ready? Second part, Jesus, his eternal words and warnings, verses 11 through 21. So after these beautiful words in the first 10 verses of this chapter, we now come to a shift into some final warnings for those who have chosen to leave God out of their lives. Verse 11, let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right, and the holy person continue to be holy. So John is being shown the end of the story and the finality of what's going to happen. And he knows that not all will choose to follow Christ. And so therefore, millions upon millions of people will continue to follow their own pathway in this life. And it really is a choice, as this verse reminds us. But this choice has eternal consequences. And the message here is also indicative that we cannot beat this message into somebody who doesn't want it. Each person has to willingly come to Christ on their own. It doesn't mean we don't share it, but we can't beat them into submission. In Luke 16, 31, this great verse says, But he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. So it just shows you that many, no matter how much God shows them of his majesty, his exactness of his creation, they're still going to choose to go their own way. They have dug their heels in. Verse 12, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. 
And so this is the second promise of Jesus' return in this chapter. And it's another reminder that the time is near and that no matter what we do on this earth, it does matter in the kingdom of heaven. And so while we do not earn our way into heaven, once we've accepted Christ, we are promised that there are rewards for those of us who have lived our lives for Christ. Verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And here is another I am statement that identifies Christ, who is part of the Trinity, who has always been part, always will be. And in Revelation, God's identifier as I am, it is telling us who he really is. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He was dead, and now he lives forever. And the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. We know John wrote seven I am statements in the book of John. And you can go and look them up because they're really beautiful. And it makes sense then, since John wrote that gospel, that he would now focus on these I am statements here in this final book of Revelation. John was very, very clear about who Jesus was and is. Verse 14, Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. This is the seventh and final beatitude of Revelation. Anytime we see that word blessed like that, we call those beatitudes. So believers, we have our robes washed. And this means that our lives have been wiped clean of sin because of the cross. And in this verse, we are also reminded that we will now have the right to the tree of life and that we are free to go to this new city. It is for us. It has been made for us. And we will have the exclusive rights to be there. Verse 15. Outside are the dogs. Those who practice magic arts, sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Here's another sober reminder of those who will not be admitted into this new city. The term dogs back in those days was used to describe those who choose to live filthy, sinful lives. Dogs were also referred to those people who are just constantly nipping at your heels. And they desire for you to come and live in filth with them. Don't we all know people like that? They want you to come wallow in the mud with them. And the other people mentioned, we have seen previously, because the practice of magic arts was mentioned before, we should take note that these sorts of practices are abhorrent to God. Doing anything to place something or someone above God in order to conjure up demons and evil will be dealt with. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. So here is another beautiful verse directly from Jesus confirming who he is. The I am statement here goes back to the genealogy of Christ. 
And if you look at the first chapter of Matthew, the lineage of Christ is right there. This linking here of the line of Jesus that Jesus came through shows God's perfect plan that has not changed and is just as he said it would be. And a root, we know, anchors plants to this earth. The root bores down into the earth in order to receive water and nutrients. Well, Christ, when we accept him, he is our anchor. We bore down into him and we receive his living water. He is the only one who can provide this. And he also provides us with the spiritual nutrients that we need. And then when those storms in our life come and our roots are firmly embedded in him, it is then that we can withstand the rough times in life. Jesus came to earth to be with us and to guide us and to anchor us in him. Isaiah 11.1 A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. For his roots, a branch will bear fruit. And so this was foretold in scripture thousands of years before. And we were told that Jesus, the shoot, would come from this lineage and that his roots would bear fruit. So all of us who are rooted in Christ, we are bearing fruit for him on this earth. And the reference to the bright morning star depicts Jesus as the light that he radiates and is there for all to see. The root reference is for believers, and it's our personal connection to Christ. And the star shows us his radiance and his majesty. And we also saw this reference to the morning star back in Revelation 2.28. I will also give that one the morning star. And so this was talking about the gift that we receive in Christ. And so also in Numbers 24.17, it said, A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. So Jesus is that star and that light that we will all see. He is our guide, and he is the only one who can bring this light to us. And we are to stay in his light and follow his light throughout our lives. Verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. So now we come to this final invitation to Christ, right here in the last few verses of the Bible. And we are invited with a very simple, single word, come. It's a simple yet profound invitation. And the scripture says, let the one who hears, the one who is thirsty, and the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. So let's break it down just a little bit. To come, this is an action word that requires a response. Come. And you guys, no one is excluded from this invitation. The next part says, let the one who hears say come. And again, we see this is offered to all people, but to only those who choose to hear the invitation will respond. 
And then it says, to the one who is thirsty. Those who recognize that only Jesus can provide them with true living water, only they will respond to this message. And in order to do that, we have to put down our own selfish agenda in order to respond. And the response, they have to recognize that they are not self-sufficient, that they must rely on Christ for this living water. Because the next part says, who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. So it's the one who wishes you're accepting are those who accept this invitation to Christ. And it's a free gift to those who accept it. Yet we know how costly this gift was to Jesus, who willingly went to the cross for us. I find it very interesting that after Jesus' death on the cross, when the soldiers pierced his side with the spear, that water flowed out of Jesus. It's as if this final reminder of his water being poured out for us and is given to those who all choose to believe in him. And you can find that reference in John 19, 34. Verses 18 through 19. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person described in the plagues in the scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city. So now we have another very stern warning, and it is for all who hear the words of this book. We are sternly told that if anyone tries to add or take away anything to these words, it will not bode well for them. That truly is an important warning. And this warning is truly indicative of not only this book of Revelation, but to the entire Bible. We are not to take his word out of context, nor are we to try to change it up in any way, which is why Bible studies like this are essential. You must learn and know his word and quit allowing people to twist his word, and to take things out of context that they really don't know what it means until they've read it and studied it. And we were warned about this way back in Deuteronomy 4.2. It says, Do not add to what I command you, and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. Verse 20, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. We've already received two promises of Jesus' return in this chapter, and this is the final and third reminder that, yes, he is coming soon, and this third promise resonates with the God, the three-in-one reference to the Trinity. When we accept Christ, we receive the promise and the gift of the Holy Spirit, as well as the love and security from God the Father. Verse 21, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Amen. I love this final benediction and how it ends with the reminder of grace. Grace, remember, is undeserved love. None of us, you guys, deserves 
the gift of Jesus, and we cannot earn it because it is truly a free gift. And you know what? This, my friends, is the entire message of the book of Revelation, and that is grace. What a beautiful way for Christ to end this last verse of the Bible, reminding us about grace. So all of you who've been scared of this book, I hope you've seen the beautiful threads of grace and about Jesus throughout. So your truth bomb for this final section, Jesus's final words and warnings are offered to all people. And your call to action as we await his glorious return, what is God impressing you to do? And who needs to hear this? And what role is he asking you to play? So your summary sentence is, the eternal water and warnings of Jesus are for everyone. Wow, what a beautiful study this book has provided. And so I'd like to do a real quick recap of the promises of this incredible book. First, we get to eat of the tree of life. There is no second death. We get to eat of the hidden manna. We receive a white stone with a new name. We have authority over the nations. We are to receive the morning star. What an honor it is to wear white, unstained garments. We will not have our names blotted from the book of life. We will have our name confessed before God and the angels. We will be made a pillar in the temple of God, and we will have a new name written upon him. We get to sit down with God on his throne. We get to drink the water of life freely. He will be our God, and we will be his children. And I will post this on my drpaulamcdonald.com page so that you could have this little reminder of the promises. And what I'd like to say in closing of this beautiful study of Revelation is I will be uploading more studies, the book of John, the book of Romans, Ephesians, and Galatians are studies that I will be recording and having uploaded soon. So I hope that you will continue to study with me. And let me just say what an honor it is that you've brought me into your home and into your life to help study this beautiful Bible and the words that God has for each of us. It is a privilege and an honor for me, and I do not take it lightly. So thank you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this honor and privilege to study your word and to have all of these people listening and studying along with me. I am so humbled and so honored, and I thank you for the privilege. And it's in your beautiful son's name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Be sure to visit my website, drpaulamcdonald.com. Click on podcast and then exhale Bible discovery for self-study guides and resources to support you with each episode.